Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. On episode 20 of the Strange Catholics podcast, we'll cover Catholic news. Our featured segment this week will cover All Saints and All Souls and what that feast is and how did it come about. Our saint spotlight is St. Martin de Poor. To lead with opening prayer, let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send your Holy Spirit. Awaken that flame within our hearts, both for our conversation and for all those hearing this conversation. We ask that you bless this time. Make the fruits of our labors be holy, virtuous, and giving you all the glory. We ask all those that are hearing this, your prayers to be lifted up like incense before the Lord. As we enter nearer to all saints and all souls, we pray for all of our loved ones that have died before us, and we ask you to shower blessings upon all those souls in purgatory. We pray all these things through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Catholic News will turn it over to Bob. Hey, thanks a lot, Phil. Thanks a lot, uh, everyone. Uh, great to be back with the brothers on podcast number 20. A wonderful milestone for us. But then again, every podcast that we're able to do is always a wonderful milestone for us. Uh, thanks for listening today. So just a couple quick uh, Catholic news stories. Um, the first one is, let's talk about who's getting beatified, right? Maybe we should start that who's getting beatified. So the uh, tomorrow, let me just get my notes here real quick. The 31st, uh, Father Michael McGivney, if I'm pronouncing that right, for those who are, know the Knights of Columbus, right, you'll remember that name. He's being beatified tomorrow, October 31st. And there was a recent article in Catholic News Agency about the um, one of the miracle or the last miracle that they uh, attributed to him. And it was a, a child that had it was a fetal high drops. Right. OK. Yes. Healing from fetal high drops. And, and they prayed for the intercession of Father McGivney. Right. That's what happened here. And, and then there was a there was a miraculous healing from that. OK. Even though. uh uh, the child, I believe the child's name is Mikey. Um, the pregnancy of the of the mother Michelle still was a a, a little bit difficult, and she had an emergency C section and so on. And it, it kind of goes through this in the article. But so I just we just want to spotlight on 
a little bit. It's not going to be the same spotlight, but that 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 beatification is taking place here tomorrow, the 31st. And, uh, you know, you can go to the Knights of Columbus website or if you get the Columbia, it's Columbia, right? Columbia is a magazine, right? Yes, it is. You can read a lot about Father McGivney and and a lot of the things that he's done. So I don't need to to really outline all those things. But I'll open it up to Phil and Terry if they want to talk at all about any thoughts they have on Father McGivney's sainthood. So one thing that I think is pretty cool is this is the first parish priest to be beatified. So he'll be known as Blessed Father Michael McGivney after this. He did found the Knights of Columbus. Um, He died in 1890. So there's been a cause for canonization for quite a while. So to have this miracle and now have him beatified is a big leap forward. His cause has been under investigation for quite a while. So this is a five-year-old miracle. So it's pretty fresh, pretty new, I think. But it's just, um, you know, the great work of the Knights, the yeomans work that they do. I, I can only speak really for the Knights that I know the, or, the as, as a brother Knight and uh, working with area Knights of Columbus. It's amazing work they've done, at least the ones I've interacted with in Minnesota. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Father Michael founded uh, an absolutely wonderful organization that has done some immensely great things uh, for our church, uh, not only within the church itself, but also in stepping out in, in into some evangelization. And I really... Um, encourage those that are listening that uh, are male and would like to join the Knights of Columbus to contact uh, your local church, your local chapter, and uh, and get signed up. Congratulations, you know, to the Knights of Columbus and the beatification of Father McGivney. So the second thing I want to bring up, and this has been all over the secular or the mainstream news about the Pope, and the discussion of civil unions in the Spanish, I think it was Mexican, right? It was, was it Mexican or Latin American interview? I thought it was Mexican. They did, um, where he talked about civil unions. But a lot of that was taken out of context, I think, uh, trying to lead us down a path that, you know, uh, uh, Pope Francis is is like, once again, you know, with all these other statements he's made over the last few years in favor of homosexual marriage. Let's just be clear that the Pope hasn't done anything doctrinally to change the views of the church or anything like that. And they kind of cut snippets of things and kind of put it together. So, um, and you can find this on NCR or CNA or other Catholic news organizations that read about it, but I just thought we should address it here real quick to say nothing's changing. We haven't changed our doctrine. The Pope is not advocating changing our doctrine, but agree that the Pope does say things about civil unions and, you know, not endorsing maybe, but saying things in a positive light about those types of things, right? To lead people down um, potentially to a conclusion that maybe he's in favor of those types of things. But he hasn't said that. He 
hasn't said completely that. Now, maybe I'm misconstruing this and uh, Phil is much more educated on some of these issues than I am. But I think we just, you know, this this kind of shows the dichotomy at times when leaders, they try to walk a fine line between the couple sides of this issue. So I think that that's where we're caught in, you know, and then how it's construed by the media. Yeah, I think so many times Catholics uh, or or people, you know, maybe lapsed Catholics or even people outside the Catholic Church will hear a comment from Pope Francis, uh, an interview or whatever it might be, and they'll take that comment as, well, that's the new teaching of the Church, which we know, unless he's saying that ex cathedra, it's not, and it's about a teaching of faith and or morals. That it's that it's not something that the church is just going to bring in. Now, if we listen more to the Spanish side of what he said, uh, I'm not trying to make excuses. These are Pope Francis's opinions that he shared, cut or not cut. I mean, he shared these opinions as Archbishop uh, or Cardinal Archbishop of Buenos Aires. So he said things to help it, make sure that people are not excluded from the family, so they're not ostracized, they're not kicked out. Um, people that um, uh, you know, suffer, suffer from or have an inclining towards same-sex attractions, he doesn't want them to be excluded from the family. So that's part of what he was saying in this and what he said at other times as well. But again, as as Bob mentioned, he did not change any doctrine. He didn't change any te- church teaching on anything. He mentioned something. The you know, media ran with that like he was making this huge declaration, which really was not the case. I know it's confusing to many Catholics. It's confusing to non-Catholics because they're hearing the Pope say this or the Pope is quoted as saying this. So, you know, it does take a little bit of investigating to kind of get to the root. But always we, we want to always try to view it from, hey, w- what is he saying what is he trying? What is he trying to help us move our hearts towards, or better understand? And is this something that he's declaring, or is it just an interview, or a conversation, or his own opinion? Of which everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and part of the problem with this too, guys, is that. The Pope, in his role, is trying to be that pastoral voice, like you said, Phil. He is trying to lead people to light. He is trying to unite all of us as a Catholic Church and not say, well, those of you that are attracted to same-sex marriage, hey, guess what? You're out. We don't want you around here. Because shaming and excluding people are not the things of Christ. They are the things of the evil one. And so in that, the Pope is really trying to be the voice of Christ to the world. This is where I struggle with a little bit with the media, is that then they take those words and they run with it like it's a new church teaching. It's not a church teaching. All the man is trying to do is to lead his flock in the light of Christ and the love of Christ and not in a world of condemnation. That's my thoughts. <laughs> there you go. Here's the, here's a comparison that's going to stop all the listeners from listening. Okay. <laughs> the Pope 
is a lot like Trump, President Trump. The Pope speaks his mind sometimes. Because I think it's in his heart what you're saying, Terry, right? Because that's where he comes from pastorally. Yes. So I, you know, and, you know, I, I don't know whether he really believes or doesn't. I mean, I think he believes in the doctrine of the church. I mean, he's the Pope. He would try to move to change it if he really wanted to change it. So obviously he doesn't want to change it. But so I think he speaks from the heart and, and the complexity of these issues where there is a there can be some friction between what the church says and and what real life is and how people people feel. So, uh, it you know, it's not a perfect, you know, marriage between those issues. Right. It, it's a very complex issue. Right. With a lot of dimensions. So I think he he speaks from his heart when he says these things. I don't think he's always measured when he says these things. And that is the good and the bad uh, of of him and making those statements, right? He's genuine. I say a lot like Trump and maybe Trump in sometimes a negative, more negative way because he says some more brash things, right? Um, you know, he just has these streams of consciousness. I mean, some people would blame someone like me has streams of consciousness, especially on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> he... he um, you know, he just speaks what what comes to him and what he feels. So, unfortunately, the Pope is a if is also besides being a religious leader, is a political figure. He is whether he likes it or not. He meets with heads of state. He is the head of the state of the Vatican. He's a political animal. Okay, he has a huge office that shapes messages and puts out messages and stuff like that. They they meet with diplomats, right? All this other stuff. I think he's kind of broken that mold and is not as measured in his speech as previous popes have been. And I, I think that's part of the reason people love him, right? It's because he seems more, maybe more genuine sometimes in some of the things he says, but it also runs the risk of the media taking this and going, wow, so Catholics are going to change now, right? They're going to be Pro -gay, and gay marriage is a big one. Now they're going to be pro-gay marriage or this type of thing. So um, unfortunately, for, for the rank-and-file Catholics, you've got to start digging and try to get through all that information to try to figure out what the ground truth is, right? You know, I mean, if you read some of the encyclicals and you're a, a Western capitalist, you can read some of the first encyclicals of, of Pope Francis and go, Wow, he doesn't really like us very much, right? Because he speaks a lot about how he doesn't like capitalism and things like that. So it, it's not quite that simple. So what I can tell our listeners is you can always turn to this podcast to help define all that for you and, and get it. We're going to do the deep dive and figure that out for you. Okay, so keep coming back for that. Let's move to the third story real quick and then I'll get out of here. All right. The third story. I think this is the one Phil couldn't find right away. It was about corruption in the church, and maybe he didn't want to know about it. But I think this is continuing a problem. Okay, I, I take that back, Phil. Phil, Phil's just trying to do his job. But there's a, this article in the NCR, the National uh, Catholic Reporter, about corruption in the church must be stamped out continually, the Pope says. And, and I, I just bring it up as... 
it's really just an article where the Pope says, hey, there's, you know, we've been doing a good job, but there's still problems. And a lot of this is intra-Vatican problems, you know, and sometimes I ask the question is, have, have we become just too large of a bureaucracy sometimes in Rome and it's caused some of these problems? You know, these problems are not, the, they're not Catholic problems. They're not God problems, folks. They are humans doing these things. It's not our religion that's the problem. It's the humans involved in that that have created those problems. So uh, just to give you the gist of it, you should go out and read it. it he just talks about uh, the problems they've had. He, he cites some things from St. Ambrose. He talks about uh, Pope Benedict and things like that and how they need to just continue to be vigilant to try to root out some of these problems, especially intra-Vatican. So... I mean, there's this story and then there's been other um, kind of financial corruption problems. And Pope Francis has been working to, you know, at first it seemed like it was going to be a hammer and really cleaning up stuff. And then it seemed like we kind of slowed down. But it definitely seems like um, since Cardinal Pell has been uh, exonerated from his charges, that he's also helping Pope Francis in that uh, attack against all of those things that are trying to you know, in many ways, dismantle or corrupt the church from within. Having a pope like Pope Francis, you know, you get the you get the the good with a guy who's not a company man, who's not a cardinal that was within the Vatican in that group, who comes in and says, "I'm going to clean house and I'm going to try to do some good things here as far as this corruption." Okay. And that's not indicting other people there, but sometimes you get a group think and an institutionalization of these types of things that just get swept under the rug. And on the flip side of it, you get him not really following maybe protocol as his probably his uh, PR people are saying, you know, can you can you kind of say it a little bit differently? He's going to say what's in his heart, right? It's going to basically going to say similar things is when he was in Buenos Aires. He's going to say those things when he was a parish priest in Argentina. He's going to say those things, and that's what he says. So we're going to talk about all saints and all souls. I'm going to start with all saints. That's the holy day of obligation that we have on November 1st. And around the mid-700s, in the mid-8th century, is when this was finally a feast. But long before this, in once Christianity was legalized, and even prior to that, the relics of saints were always revered, highly esteemed, and they would always, they would have altars over those relics, and they would celebrate Mass over those relics because they realized that the blood of martyrs was the seed for the Church, right, as the phrase that's been said many times. But officially in 837, Pope Gregory, Pope Gregory IV ordered its general observance. The term Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, which is for all of the holy ones, right? So that's where Halloween is probably is is quite a bit more popular than All Saints' Day, but that's what it's kind of leading up to. So that's a little bit of the history on that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about why do we have this day. Part of the reason is because there were so many martyrs, there were so many saints that didn't have specific days on the calendar, but 
the church wants to revere all of those saints that have that beatific vision in heaven. And so we have this day set aside, All Saints Day, and as a day, it has moved from early in the spring to now where it is now, but as a day to make sure that we're revering those holy ones who are in the full beatific vision that can help lift us up and we can call out to and lean on. So maybe you have a favorite saint. If you don't know what their feast day is, you can always celebrate them on All Saints Day. Now we'll move on to All Souls Day, if people are open to that, unless anyone has any comments on All Saints Day. So All Souls Day is the day immediately following All Saints Day. So typically in November, November is really that month of All Souls. So a lot of times people will have their uh, their books in their in their parish where people write down the names of, of their loved ones who have died so that they're remembered in the masses throughout the month of November. So All Souls Day, not a holy day of obligation, but it's that day when we commemorate all of our loved ones who have died. We know going all the way back to Second Maccabees, there's that custom of setting apart a set special day for intercession for the faithful who have died. November 2nd happens to be that day for us, but we know that All Souls was a day established in the early 1000s, roughly. So this is not just something that our, the Latin rite, we have many rites within the Catholic Church, but also our Eastern rite, Eastern Orthodox churches also celebrate uh, All Souls Day. Actually, they have multiple, so they have several All Souls Day throughout the year. So all of this to say that we have this great remembrance, not of just the holy ones that are in the church triumphant, but we also have the church suffering, all of those, or penitent, all of those that are in purgatory that we want to keep praying for, all of our loved ones. And then we have us here on earth, church militant, that is in, in pleading for prayers of the church triumphant to really help us to persevere in our faith, in our many struggles. I'm happy All Saints Day is on Sunday. And well, I'm just, so listen to me now. So all you folks out there, who who don't go, I mean, we'll, we'll just give you that you go to Mass every week, which you should, okay? It's your obligation, all right? But you don't go to those holy days of obligation, right? You go to some of them, but you don't go to things like All Saints Day. You don't go to, uh, you know, the one that comes up here not too far in the future and that other ones. So you, you don't go to those, right? So at least I'm happy it's on Sunday. So you get that liturgy, you know, you get that All Saints Day, you know. So that that that's why I'm happy about it. And I've always went, no matter what the day was, because it's a holy day of obligation. So, yeah, typically not big crowds on that day, to be honest. No, 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 no. But now you're going to have Sunday goers who come. So so it's a you get a twofer. Right? Absolutely. There you go. Yes. Absolutely. And, and there's extra, there's really beautiful prayers. Pay attention to the mass to listen to the prayers because there are some additional prayers for all saints that is really helps draw out the beauty and the wonder and our union with all of those in heaven. So I'm not an expert. You guys are much more experts. I mean, so you know, just so people know if you know, we've talked about Phil. Phil and I are converts. You know, we're RCIA folks and 
and uh, Terry, who is a cradle Catholic. Um, so I would say both those guys know way more about this than me because Phil spends more time studying it and Terry's lived it more than I have. But so do we get up there? On, is it all Saints Day when we go St. Peter and St. Paul? Do we do that? Is that during Saints Day or is that? Litany of Saints. Do we so, do it on, on Saint, All Saints Day too? It it depends. Some parishes do, some parishes yeah. don't. It really depends. There's pray not. Uh, right. Pray for us, St. Matthew. Pray for us. St. <laughs> Peter and St. Paul. Pray for us. Yes. Uh, okay. Now that we've lost all of our all, all of our listeners, because Bob and I have sung, um, it really is up to the individual parish. that There is not an official liturgical edict that has come down from the Vatican that says you need to do this on All Saints Day. We definitely do it during during Lent, during Good yes. Friday. Yes, so we yes. do that litany during then. And there are a couple other times, but not it is not in the rubrics necessarily that it, it needs to be done on All Saints Day. Right. So if I would have thought about it, that makes complete sense. And I probably should have known that and probably did in the back of my mind. But now that I've looked like a total fool on this podcast. <laughs> no, because Edit it I, out. I do believe, I'll be honest with you, I do I'm believe at our church, we do go through the litany of saints on All Saints Day. So, again, it's it's up to the individual congregation as to whether or not they choose, or the liturgist, maybe it just boils down to each liturgist as to who wants to do it and who doesn't. Now, for me, I'll add my two cents in here. Um, all Saints Day um, is a wonderful celebration remembering all of the saints. However, it is also a bittersweet celebration in the fact that uh, five years ago on Sunday uh, is the day that my dad went home to heaven. So great celebration. Actually, you know, I mean, when you think about it, dying in All Saints Day, that's pretty powerful in and of itself. However, it you know, it still is uh, the loss uh, that I still grieve to and carry with me to this day. So it were is a uh, double-edged sword. Were we together then? Were we? Were we? Yeah, we were. We, we had were, started. We had started school. Yeah, well, absolutely. I do. Because I came to the I came to didn't I come to the funeral home? Yeah. Uh, both yeah, of you guys came to dad's wake. Yeah, to the funeral home, right, to the wake, yeah. Okay, I remember that. So, yeah, that was a tremendously trying time. I remember that for, for yes. your family. So. So that's all I have to say about All Saints Day, uh, All Souls Day, very beautiful celebration, remembering those of our parish communities that have now joined the heavenly hosts in the last year so but we also lift up all of those souls that have gone before us so it's a two back-to-back -back feasts that really honor those that uh have come before us and have now returned home to god we'll be back right after this folks and we're back thanks for listening to the commercial we're not really getting rich off of it okay we're just trying to pay some of the bills um and if you know somebody who wants to advertise with us, please send them our way. We're absolutely open to doing that because um, this is a worldwide broadcast listened to by many people in many different countries, <clears throat> or at least a few different countries.
All right, so we're going to transition to the Saints Spotlight, which I know is everybody's favorite, and Terry is going to do that for us. Take it away. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. And this week's Saint Spotlight of the Week shines on St. Martin de Poors. Uh, his feast day is November the 3rd, the day after All Saints Day. Now, he is the patron saint of African Americans, barbers, hairdressers, race relations, radio, social justice, innkeepers, public health workers, the sick and afflicted, and those who suffer from discrimination. Now, some people do good no matter what happens to them, and Martin Depours is one of those people. He was born in Lima, Peru on December the 9th, 1579 to Don Juan Depours, a Spanish nobleman and adventurer, and Ana Velasquez, a free daughter of slaves from Panama of either African-American or Native American descent. So people made fun of Martin because he came from two different races. But what did Martin do? Instead of fighting back, he blessed his enemies. He did good to those who laughed at him. Was this easy? Well, no, not at all. But Martin simply loved to do what is good. His parents never married each other. Martin inherited the features of the features and dark complexion of his mother that irked his father, who finally acknowledged his son after eight years. After the birth of his sister in 1581, the father abandoned the family. Martin was reared in poverty, locked into a low level of Lima's society. Ana Velasquez supported her children by taking in laundry. Martin's childhood poverty did not embitter him, but made him sensitive to the plight of the poor, and especially the orphans to whom he would devote much of his time and resources. Even as a child, Martin would give the family's scarce resources to beggars whom he saw as less fortunate than himself. When his mother could not support him, Martin was sent to a primary school for two years and then placed with a barber slash surgeon to learn the medical arts when he was 12. He learned bloodletting and the administration of medicines. He became very well known for his compassion and skill as a barber and cared for many people as well as animals. Martin grew older as Martin grew older, he experienced a great deal of ridicule for being of a mixed race. In Peru, by law, the descend, all descendants of African or Indians were not allowed to become full members of religious orders. Martin, who spent long hours in prayer, found his only way into the community he longed for was to ask the Dominicans of the Holy Rosary Priory in Lima to accept him as a volunteer who performed the most menial tasks in the admission to the Dominican convent of the Rosary in Lima, and was received as a servant boy and eventually moved up to the church officer in charge of distributing money to the deserving poor. After nine years, the example of his prayer and penance, charity and humility led the community to request him, not the other way around. He he wasn't requesting to be 
made a full religious brother. The community requested him to make full religious profession. Many of his nights were spent in prayer and penitential practices. His days were filled with nursing the sick and caring for the poor. It was particularly impressive that he treated all people, regardless of their color, race, or status. He was instrumental in founding an orphanage, procurator for both Priory and City, whether it was a matter of blankets, shirts, candles, candy, miracle, or prayers. When his Priory was in debt, he said, I am only a poor mulatto. Sell me. I am the property of the order. Sell me. Side by side with his daily work in the kitchen, laundry, and infirmary, Martin's life reflected God's extraordinary gifts, ecstasies that lifted him into the air, light filling the room where he prayed, by location, miraculous knowledge, instantaneous cures, and a remarkable rapport with animals. His charity extended to the beasts of the field, even to the vermin of the kitchen. He would excuse the raids of mice and rats on the grounds that they were underfed. He kept stray cats and dogs at his sister's house. While an epidemic struck Lima, there were, there were in this single convent of the rosary 60 friars who were sick many of them novices in a distant and locked section of the convent, separated from the professed. Martin's is said to have passed through locked doors to care for them, a phenomenon which was reported in the residence more than once. The professed, too, saw him suddenly beside them without doors having been opened. Martin continued to transport the sick to the convent until the provincial superior, alarmed by the contagion threatening the friars, forbade him to continue to do so. His sister, who lived in the country, offered her house to lodge those whom the residents of the religious could not hold. One day, he found on the street a poor Indian bleeding to death from a dagger wound and took him into his own room until he could transport him to his sister's hospice. The prior, when he heard of this, reprimanded him for his disobedience. He was extremely edified, however, by his reply. Forgive my error, Martin said, and please instruct me, for I do not know that the precept of obedience took precedence over that of charity. The prior gave him liberty thereafter to follow his inspirations in the exercise of mercy. However, it, it is St. Martin's charity that made him the patron saint of social justice. Martin fed, sheltered, and doctored hundreds of families. He also provided the requisite dowry, say that 10 times fast, of 4,000 pesos to enable at least 27 poor young women to marry. Last but not least, he established the orphanage and school of the Holy Cross, which took in boys and girls of all classes and taught them trades or homemaking skills. 
Over much criticism, he insisted that the school staff be well-paid so that they would give their best service. Many of his fellow religious took Martin as their spiritual director, but he continued to call himself a poor slave. He was a good friend to another Dominican, whom maybe we have heard of, St. Rose of Lima. In January of 1639, when Martin was 60 years old, he became very ill with chills, fevers, and tremors, causing him agonizing pain. He would experience almost a full year of illness until he passed away on November the 3rd, 1639. He died surrounded by his brothers and reciting the Credo. His life ended with the words, et homo factus est. His funeral was an occasion of public honor. His funeral was attended by thousands of Peruvians from all walks of life who vied to get a piece of St. Martin's habit as a relic. These pieces of the saint's habit have been associated with innumerable miraculous cures. By the time he died, he was widely known and accepted. Talks of his miracles in medicine and caring for the sick were everywhere. After his death, the miracles received when he was invoked in such greatness that he was exhumed 25 years later. And gentlemen, his body exhaled a splendid fragrance and was still intact. St. Martin de Poors was beatified by Pope Gregory the 16th on October 29th, 1837 and was canonized by Pope John the 23rd on May 6th, 6, 1962. And a reflection on St. Martin's life, racism is a sin almost nobody confesses. Like pollution, it is a sin of the world that is everybody's responsibility, but apparently nobody's fault. One could hardly imagine a more fitting patron of Christian forgiveness on the part of those discriminated against, and Christian justice on the part of reformed racists than Martin de Poors. And that is St. Martin de Poors, our Saint Spotlight of the Week. Well, I think you see why I felt a little bit more adamant, in, at least from my perspective, about why I wanted this saint this week, because of all the strife that's going on, especially within the United States and the and the issues with race relations. Uh, what a perfect saint to spotlight, a saint that a lot of people haven't heard of before, a saint that was called a mulatto dog by religious brothers who didn't want him to be able to profess his vows. Um, it just... We could we could put this saint up, hold this saint high, and, and, and we could we could use him as a bridge to just have better race relations between whites, blacks, Hispanics, you know, whatever it is. So, Amen, brother. No, thank you for bringing him to light for me. I appreciate that. Yeah, beautiful saint with a beautiful story. I- I love the stories of bilocation and these remarkable things, the levitating, um, just seeing already, you know, while while they're still here on Earth, the miraculous things that they were doing, 
I love to hear that story of, you know, the 25 years later, he not only is, there was a beautiful aroma. Yep. Yeah. He exhaled a beautiful aroma. And, and, and was, intact. Yeah. And intact, perfectly intact. His body did not decay in the grave at all. That just blows me away. Yeah. So when, every time I hear that, it just is surprising. So when you go to your barber next time, say, hey, you know who St. Martin de Porres is? See if they know who that is. They should, because they all <laughs> listen to this podcast. That's right. <laughs> right. We are the St. <laughs> Martin de Porres is the patron saint of barbers, and we are the podcast of barbers. I like how you look at that. St. Martin de Porres, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. If you're listening to this podcast, don't, don't send me a note and tell me you aren't learning anything. Okay, because you're learning something. <clears throat> especially during this segment. All right. So we've come to the end of another podcast and we want to thank everybody for listening. And I know you're asking yourself right now, you're asking yourself this question. How can I comment on this? How can I tell people how great the strange Catholic podcast is? It's easy, right? Phil, you know, it's easy, right? It's easy. Absolutely. Very easy. It's absolutely easy because all you need to do is you need to tell all your friends and family. They can go on to any podcast platform that they, they do. It's, it's, you know, Apple Podcasts, most popular one for us, but, but you can do Stitcher, Spotify. You can go to Anchor. You, you can go to any of those places, and you can, you can search for Strange Catholics. You know, we're right next to Bishop Barron. As we've said, this is open, Bishop Barron. Come on on the show. We need you here. <laughs> okay, to be, we're happy to make it four people for you, Bishop Barron, to, uh, you know, to have that group together. You can go on there and, and find the podcast. And then if you want to comment, which we really want you to, whether it's prayer intentions, we had a couple of them this week, which we're going to do here at the end. Or if you want to say, I think Bob's the greatest. And, you know, I, I know that already, but please tell me that. I, it makes me feel good about myself. That's the challenge. Everyone needs to write in and say how much they love Bob. <laughs> That's the challenge for this week, podcast listeners. <laughs> right. Or or whatever it is. Or maybe maybe you'll say something not so nice, which I can handle. I have a thick skin. But we 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 want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. And I'm not talking about Terry here. I'm just saying the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, Yow! <laughs> So says the guy who has a said late at radio. night, folks. We're trying to get this in. Okay, <laughs> please go on and get you. You can you can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can you can do it on the other podcast platforms. Uh, you can do an anchor and then uh, Strange Catholics Pod at Gmail dot com. A link is in the description and Anchor FM forward slash Strange Catholics. And any major podcast catcher is going to get our podcast. Thanks, Bob. Right. Thank you. We look forward to hearing from you. I absolutely look forward to hearing from you. So now as we close to, you know, a momentous, incredible episode 20 of this young podcast, um, we're going to do some prayer intentions and final prayer. And I believe, Terrence, you are doing that. The ugly guy. That's right. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I said I wasn't talking about you. Oh, sure. <laughs> All right, brothers, let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, 
you are so good and so gracious to us and you love us unconditionally. We thank you for that love. And we thank you for this time together as brothers in Christ, as followers of your great and eminent power. Thank you so much for the joy you bring to our lives, the fun we have here communicating with one another and with all of our listeners. And now we want to lift up all of our listeners in prayer, especially for Lorraine as she covers, recovers from two broken legs. May God grant her body and spirit healing and peace. For Michelle and Benjamin, may the light of Christ shine down upon them during this time of trouble and challenges. For the Bishop Donald Kettler, Bishop of the St. Cloud Diocese, as he recovers from COVID-19, may God bring him quick and full healing. For Father Bill Gamber, who died on October the 24th, may, may the heavenly hosts welcome this good and faithful servant home. For all those in marriages that are experiencing difficulties and those that are suffering from mental issues and mental illness, may God shine a light into their darkness. And for all of those who are expecting, trying to become pregnant or who are struggling with fertility, infertility, excuse me, may God smile down upon them and protect them. And Father, we just lift all of these prayers up for your honor and your glory and for your will to be done in our lives and not ours. And we pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 That was great, Terry. Hey, folks. The Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Sorry about Amen. That. Amen. that part. Hey, folks. That was great, Terry. Hey, folks. Remember to go out and vote. Exercise your right here. And if you're in the United States, go out and vote. If you're in another country and you're having an election, go out and vote. All right. Make sure you guys pray for one another. Pray for us and love one another as Christ has asked us to. Okay. So let's do that. Let's, let's live that. All right. And until next time, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day. And may God bless you.